1: To extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is Thursday. It is October 12th. Bob Kemp, kayla Mortalaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they swept the Los Angeles Dodgers and they're making their way to the NLCS. Uh, for the major league baseball playoffs we'll dive into much more surrounding that contest from last night here momentarily uh, we'll also take your phone calls today if you'd like to chime in about the diamondbacks major league play major league baseball playoffs 602 260 1060 is the number we'll take calls today at 10 30 and eleven we'll also dive into uh the nfl Bob caught up with Eric Edholm of NFL.com. We'll go through Eric's power ratings. Also talk about some more things around NFL. There is a Thursday night football contest today with the Broncos and the Chiefs. But let's get things started here with the poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. What was the primary reason the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers? Offense are pitching, and pitching continues to be overwhelmingly out in front. 91% of the vote, offense trailing at 9%.
0: I'm a little surprised it's overwhelming because you know the Diabacks offense did score 16 runs in the first three innings of this series.
1: <laughs> that was quite an explosion was it not?
0: <laughs> yep all three games well it took the third inning last night but obviously the first two innings first inning of the first two games and then uh, the third inning extravaganza the four home run uh, explosion and uh, that was the end of that.
1: And to your point, too, about kind of being a little bit surprised by results, because you had a poll question uh, before the playoffs even got started about how the Diamondbacks, at least offensively, were heading into the playoffs and if there was any cause for concern about the Bats being so quiet. And there was a lot of concern from the masses on that side.
0: Well, a big part of that was run scoring position, which they still haven't been great at in the postseason, quite frankly, but they've had so many solo home runs that it hasn't mattered.
1: That's true. We'll dive into uh, this game specifically in the series and and what to expect moving forward here momentarily. But first, we got to get over to the Twitter poll question. That's at KDOS AM 1060. Should the Arizona Cardinals trade Hollywood Brown? Uh, Yes. Out in Frontier at 60 percent of the vote. No trailing at 40 percent.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a, would be a really good idea. And once again, just uh, quickly, and I talked about this. It was one of the things I talked about with Eric in the last hour about uh, you know what would be uh, you know the value of trading Hollywood Brown at this point. And we mentioned it a little bit last last year, especially in the season. But he's done a really good. Brown's been really good here. A much better player than I thought he was. I just thought he was a guy that basically went deep and. Lamar tried to get him the ball, and you know, Lamar is not going to be accurate all the time. Uh, so I just thought it was just kind of a you know, basically a deep ball guy. He's been far more than that, and uh, he's now gone through but four or five different starting quarterbacks here uh, in two years, and he's still been really good. And I, I there's been there have been few players that I just didn't either really know about or had questions about that have been as good. In any sport that has been, they've been, they've actually been traded here uh, during their careers, in Hollywood Brown. I'm, I'm so impressed. But now, I think the Cardinals personally would be crazy not to him before the deadline.
1: I think you and I share those sentiments about uh, Hollywood Brown you know when the trade took place we were like okay well what what can we expect and you know just going through the numbers and and kind of remembering what we saw with games in terms of how he was used in Baltimore you thought okay it's just going to be a bunch of deep routes but he has the ability to do so much uh, and and just some of the little intangible things about how good he is at catching ball uh, and and just kind of body control things of that nature too uh, it's just been really impressed to watch
0: him on the field yeah absolutely I kind of thought well the real only reason he's here is because you know at that point it didn't seem like the Cardinals and and Kyler Murray had a fractured relationship possibly and that you know Murray and Brown were so good in college together that that's the only reason he was here and that was kind of my first thought back when it happened and until we saw him play some and uh, he, he's he's good and you mentioned uh, you know just the you know kind of the uh, you know, the variety of catches that he's made, you know, the catch, you know, the one touchdown the Cardinals have scored in the fourth quarter this season uh, was the play that he made uh, when he got, you know, the touchdown against Dallas in the fourth quarter of that game. And, uh, you know, that was a tremendous throw by Dobbs, but it was also a great catch uh, with you know, Gilmore hanging all over him that he made that game.
1: Absolutely. So we'll officially answer that question around 11:30 today. Still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. As previously mentioned, if you'd like to chime in on a plethora of uh, subjects, uh, 10:30 and 11:15 is your opportunity to do so. 60260, 1060 is the number. So let's get things started here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm sure you're all aware by now that the Diamondbacks have defeated the Dodgers, four to two. It was a sweep in NLDS. You know, we start in a multitude of different areas, and I know the long ball and the history behind that seems to, uh, you know, catch our fancy with offensive numbers, but I actually want to start with Brandon Fott because his performance, I thought, was just incredible. Uh, four and a third innings, two hits, two strikeouts, 42 pitches, so it didn't last long, but it was very, very clear the point of emphasis all game long for him was to keep the ball down, and he executed that for the most part.
0: I thought the Dodgers really helped him out. Thought the Dodgers were anxious at the plate, uneasy, nervous, whatever. But only 42 pitches and four plus innings. That's not very many for anybody, let alone somebody who is you know, known to go deep into counts and you know have problems getting strikeouts with two guy, with two strikes on hitters and a lot of foul balls. Didn't see any of that last night. And while I certainly it would, it, you know, I thought Fott did a really good job, but I just thought that the Dodgers' approach was more of a panic mode than it was what Fott was doing.
1: Uh, were you okay with the decision that Lavello, and I would have to think Brent Strom was in on this too, uh, that you had Mantiply up warming up to start the fifth, and then when that first double happened, uh, Fott's day was done and Mantiply came in, which started uh, the chain of the bullpen. I'm a little surprised,
0: but you know, the fact that he knew Lavello, and uh, I'm sure you're 100 percent correct that that was a uh, you know just you know determined. And I think that's actually a front office thing too. Uh, that you know when are we going to move here? I mean you know the foot these. Uh, that, I think that's the big the biggest change in, base, in major league baseball. The teams that are really heavy into the numbers and metrics and so forth that they predetermined before the game even starts. Uh, you know, possible possibilities or you know, possible po- possible possibilities. There's not re- being redundant there, Bob. <laughs> but um, you know what they, the, the the possibilities that could occur when you want to pull a pitcher, a starting pitcher, and uh, the fact that they saw already once in this series, as soon as they did that, uh, Dave Roberts flipped his lineup and got the uh, right-handed bats in there immediately. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. And definitely the fact that they did that and uh, when they did in the, in, you know, the thinning, you know, the Dodgers, I assume, would have liked to have had some of those left-handed bats in the lineup as the game continued and they had a chance to really win the game in the last couple innings, but they were stuck with guys that they really didn't want hitting at that time because they had nobody left in their batch other than Austin Barnes, who they basically – yeah, ASU alum, Austin Barnes, great receiver as a catcher, Austin Barnes, but you don't want him in playing and uh, you know, don't want him hitting in a prime situation ever.
1: Yeah, I saw he has uh, the last time before last night that he took an at-bat in a game was like September 30th.
0: Whoa, I didn't know it was that long. But yeah, he was just basically for a lot of this there, his last two or three years here has been uh, Clayton Kershaw's personal catcher. And he wasn't Clayton Kershaw's personal catcher that night, and uh, you know I don't think that had anything to do with Kershaw getting clobbered. I just think that Kershaw's arm is shot, as I pointed out on Monday and Monday show. I think I even mentioned it again yesterday, but uh, you know, but that, that was that's been Barnes's primary duty as a Dodger player for a few years running now.
1: Moving on to the rest of the uh, uh, bullpen for the Diamondbacks here. Ryan Thompson, uh, he had a couple of hits for him there in the seventh, uh, but he's actually been truly amazing since he joined this Diamondbacks club here after being released earlier this year. Uh, then Ke- uh, Kevin Ginkle came on after having a four-pitch walk to start the eighth inning, settled in, and then, of course, Paul Seawald there with the save.
0: Well, he gave up the walk uh, to, uh, you know, one of the worst hitters in baseball to start the inning. (laughs) That's one of the guys that Dodgers wouldn't have preferred to be in the game at that point. But, you know, he walked uh, the uh, second baseman, and I completely blank and forgot his name. But my bad on that. Uh, But he walked him, and then he struck out Betts uh, in the next two hitters there. So Betts Freeman in the series ended up one for 21, Including the two eighth-inning strikeouts to end their season, in individually in their season against the against the Diamondbacks and Ginkle.
1: Uh, so that was uh, obviously really good there. And to your point, uh, Tori Lavello, after the game, said that the strategy that they implored on Freeman and Betts was to beat the corners and see if they could get them to chase.
0: Yeah, and the thing that once again uh, go back to the first inning, I believe it was a three-one pitch, and Betts, you know, looked like Scott was kind of having problems. Not kind of, he was having command issues. at first hitter of the game, and you know, Betts bailed him out uh, and swung at a pitch that was, I thought, out of the zone and made it out. And that I think that kind of got things started in Freeman's and early in the count guy. Anyway, uh, even when things are going great, which is almost always, except for these games, uh, last you know three games here. Uh, so in the agreement, was complaining actually before the end of the regular season, not complaining is a strong word, uh, but talking about how he just didn't feel right and so forth. But the fact that those two dudes uh, were one for 21 and uh, that that certainly uh, I think that was probably the biggest individual key to the Dodgers collapse. And uh, the fact that uh, they couldn't keep the ball in the ballpark, but that's just the Diamondbacks now who. Rarely, quite frankly, in comparison to the rest of baseball, hit home runs during the season. And they've been almost completely home run dependent uh, in the postseason in these five wins.
1: So let's get into those home runs here. Uh, Obviously, you have the four runs, according to the broadcast. This is Major League Baseball postseason history that never before in any postseason game has there been four solo home runs in the same. So you have the Arizona Diamondbacks there in the bottom of the third Perdomo, who has uh, really struggled at the plate. These playoffs, he hits one, gets things started off of Lance Lynn. Then you have Carroll grounding out. Then you have Marte hitting an absolute blast to right. Tommy Pham grounding out, followed then by Christian Walker's line drive shot to left. Then the confusing situation took place with Gabriel Moreno's foul ball. They called it a home run. It was clearly foul. He then had to come back, do it again, and the very next pitch launches a 420-foot uh, shot to left center to make it four nothing. So that was honestly just uh, an incredible set of events there. In fact, Lovello said post game, "It's almost unbelievable, right? I'm a fan too, and I was looking at it thinking." thinking thinking, what in the world is happening here?
0: (laughs) I think we all were, probably at that point. Solo homers and four in the same inning is the key. I think somebody reported it's the first time there's ever been four home runs in a postseason inning ever, and that's been refuted and pointed out, I know since then by pretty much everybody, that that's happened before, but not solo home runs. Uh, I mentioned the homer-reliant thing. The Diamondbacks now have 13 home runs in five postseason games. Uh, which is just insane
1: yes it is uh, to that point they also have 44 hits to go along with 47 strikeouts those 13 home runs through five games uh, pretty darn impressive and then if we just want to briefly talk about the pitching there as well for what they have been able to do through five games a combined team era of 2.20 and the pitchers themselves have only given up home runs
0: yeah, and uh, I think that the bullpen, which uh, we've talked about, not in glowing terms for the majority of the season, but really since August the 1st, that bullpen has been tremendous. And, you know, the, they've shown the numbers on all the broadcasts and, you know, the Diamondbacks uh, wisely uh, and their uh, daily uh, notes and so forth have these glowing numbers and so forth, and they just kind of update them every day because they just continue to get better. And uh, no matter who they play in the next series, uh, considering the lineup that they're going to be facing in the next series. That bullpen, I think, is going to be even more important as we move forward.
1: Uh, correct. They will be waiting the winner of the Braves in the Phillies series. The NLCS is set to get started on Monday. We'll take a break. We'll dive into uh, the Astros closing things out on the Twins, the Phillies winning yesterday to take a 2-1 series lead over the Braves, and the game uh, that could potentially close things out tonight between the Phillies and the Braves so we'll dive into all of that next here on KDOS AM 1060 once again a reminder if you'd like to join the program you can we'll take calls around 1030 and 1115 today 602 260 1060 is the number it is Thursday it is October 12th Bob Camp Kayla Mortolaro, with you up until noon day as we typically do Mondays Wednesdays Thursdays and Fridays more Major League Baseball playoff discussion on the other side of the break
0: Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. 10:24 here on KDUS AM
1: 1060. It is the Extra Point on this Thursday, October 12th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortallaro with you. Up until noon today as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Talking about the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers with a 4-2 victory for the D-backs. They will be advancing to the NLCS, awaiting their opponent. So let's talk about who they potentially are facing here because the other NLDS series with the Phillies over the Braves in a 2-1 series lead after a 10-2 win yesterday. Aaron Nola for the Phillies, 5-2 and two-thirds innings. Six hits, two runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, 92 pitches. Meanwhile, for the Braves, it was Bryce Elder who went two and two-thirds, five hits, six runs, one walk, four strikeouts, and two home runs. And the bats obviously were working when you put up ten runs, but Bryce Harper, two home runs, a four RBI night for him. Nick Castigliano, two home runs, two RBI night for him. In total, the Phillies launched six home runs.
0: That would be true. It wasn't much of a contest, and – you know, the Diamondbacks should be uh, rooting for uh, the Braves here today because they'd have to play on Saturday. you have to, you know, obviously, and then there'd be a quick turnaround for them. And also, that would not uh, whoever the Diamondbacks would be facing if they, uh, they are facing a team that plays on Saturday night. Uh, the Phillies would be, or the Braves, would be either throwing, uh, you know, they're, you know they're basically their you know, Wheeler or Freed would be pitching game six, I would assume, for those the starting pitchers for the next game. Uh, so what the heck? That would, you know They're not going to be able to set up their bullpen. The Diamondbacks have their bullpen, uh, excuse me, their uh, stink pitch uh, rotation, I should say. They have their starters set up for the next series with you know, Gallon and Kelly ready to go in games one and two. Uh, their bullpen will be obviously rested, which you know, in this just the way that these off days have happened, uh, that's you know, maybe not as big a deal because there's already been as many off days as there were in that Diamondbacks and Dodgers series. Uh, with the every other day thing going. Uh, But, uh, you know, the best thing for uh, the the Diamondbacks is if they play a game on Saturday night in Atlanta and it goes like 100 innings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, first they have to get through tonight, which is going to be Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves, Ranger Suarez for the Phillies. It's a 5.07 p.m. start on TBS here. You know, in watching these games, what has been most surprising to you about how the Braves have come out in this series?
0: Their lack of offense. I mean, I we kind of realized their pitching staff was a mess at the moment. yeah, uh, you know, certainly could have used, you know, Charlie Morton would have been the starter yesterday had he been healthy. He's on the injured list. Now he will return, or I should say be eligible to return if the Braves advance to the next series. Uh, but when they placed him on the injured list at the end of the near the end of the regular season, that made him ineligible for this uh, the first two rounds of the playoffs and the the you know the first round for the Braves. But he wasn't able to pitch until like next week, uh, so that's just the way that the uh, injured list worked for the postseason for them. So like uh, that, you know, we realized that uh, they weren't going to have the best pitching situation. But their offense, which has been tremendous, you know, other than like the last two innings of Game Two, it's been pretty silent, uh, including yesterday. And they they actually blew some opportunities yesterday. You mentioned, you know, that was a lot of pitches, and you know, less than six innings yesterday for, uh, you know, for uh, you know, Aaron Nola. Yeah, so you know, he threw a ton. They they fouled off a ton of pitches in that game too. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't pay much attention to foul balls. But, you know, I always go back to Robbie Ray, who led the world in foul balls when he was pitching here. And he'd be, you know, if you just look at the numbers, wow, he gave up like one run in five innings, but he threw like 90-some pitches because of all the foul balls. Uh, That happened yesterday, Uh, and has happened some with uh, Nola this year, quite frankly, uh, before he's really kind of turned it on here at the end of the year. But uh, that was, I think, the biggest reason his pitch count was up yesterday. But the Braves – Blew some opportunities early in that game to score runs. And by the time that, uh, uh, that uh, they had time to kind of go, well, what happened? They were getting their ass kicked because it was the Bryce Harper and Nick Castellano show.
1: Over in the American League, you have the Astros beating the Twins 3-2. to two. It was a Jose Urquidy start, five and two-thirds innings, three hits, two runs, one walk, six strikeouts, two home runs, 82 pitches. Ryan Presley picked up the save, three strikeouts in that inning. Jose Abreu, Mike Brantley hit the home runs for the Astros. Uh, the Astros are advancing for a remarkable organization, seventh straight ALCS. Yeah. That's truly mind-boggling.
0: It really is, especially in this day and age. Of, you know, the, you know, no dynasties and you know, free agency and everything else going on in the landscape of uh, you know, professional sports, and especially baseball in this case. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Hopefully, you know, I know that some people will never ever forgive them for the you know the sign-stealing thing, and there are some idiots that don't think that that uh, you know Jose Altuve shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and because of that and so forth, but you know that's it. those people just are idiots and shouldn't even you know that's just give it up. You know, watch another sport if you actually think that. What's sad is that some people are actually vote for the Hall of Fame are the ones that kind of be seem to be spearheading this Jose Altuve shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame thing. But anyway, a little more on the Astros. They are 56 and 34 in the playoffs since 2017. They had 10 home runs in this series that uh, just concluded against the Twins. Clearly the better team. Jose Abreu, you mentioned, he he had eight eight runs batted in and hit four home runs in this series. And he's a guy that actually struggled for much of the season. They paid a lot of money. He struggled so much that when we had the trade deadline at the end of July, first part of August, there was speculation that the Astros were looking for a first baseman in the trade market. And the speculation after that, that they just couldn't make a deal and find one or didn't want to give up what they had to whatever, to acquire whomever. And uh, so he stayed as a first baseman, and he's been a big key to their success Uh, down the stretch when they kind of came out of nowhere uh, to win the division, as it turned out, that last week of the season. And obviously he's been a big part of them in the postseason and why anybody that ever, I understand because, you know, you got, you know, Brayu's is hot now hitting behind Alvarez. But uh, why anybody ever pitches to Jordan Alvarez is just <laughs> insane to me.
1: Yeah, he also had a fantastic series as well. Um, yeah.
0: when, when he does not get a hit, not necessarily, yeah you know, it's home runs, but when he's a, such a good hitter. When he does not get a hit, I'm actually surprised at this point.
1: When it comes to the ALCS, they will be facing a familiar foe in the Rangers here. I'd have to think Justin Verlander is going to get the ball for the Astros in game one. You know, so some questions here in the Rangers hot hitting continue. Uh, they've gotten a lot of good pitching for starting pitchers, pitchers. So they haven't really had to tap into the bullpen too much. So can the Astros find ways to get hot hitting and get to those starters?
0: Yeah, well, I think that the uh, you know the biggest question for me in this series is, you know, I'm not surprised that Texas has hit the ball and like crazy here for the last 2 weeks cuz they did that for the majority of the season. I mean, they actually had about a month where they just kind of went from the best baseball in almost every offensive category to what's going on here. Uh but uh certainly uh in the last uh you know, you have seven games here or seven days, I should say, more accurate or eight or nine days. Whenever the playoffs started a week ago, Tuesday. So you all figure out the math on that with the days. Uh, but since then, it's been kind of the offense. We saw the majority of the season. Uh, they played, as you mentioned, they're familiar. They played 13 times in the season during the regular season. Houston won nine of those games. Uh, and also that 13 games, uh, you know, against each other, the season series me, the first thing I think of is they had a bench-clearing situation in which it got to the point where Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker basically face-to-face. Uh, it was not a uh, you know you know basically a cordial discussion <laughs> so uh, they've been around for a long time they, you know, they actually had good things to say about each other here in the last three or four days including uh, Baker yesterday in the post game was that yesterday was that, yeah it was still yesterday right it was yesterday <laughs> they, I get all my days mixed up here during the playoffs uh, and not every during day the playoffs, ends in Y too. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I maybe remember that someday too. Uh, but uh, so that's a, uh, the the fact that it's those two guys wanted against each other, and yeah, you know, I guess Dusty's going to be in the Hall of Fame now for sure. He won a World Series finally, uh, and obviously Bochi is automatically in with his 14 consecutive series playoff wins now. Uh, so uh, that's 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 big time. Hopefully Shurs will be able to pitch, and I don't think anybody's going to really know. And even if he does pitch, I don't think the Rangers really know whether he's going to be effective when he pitches. Uh, But, uh, you know, with the Verlander and Scherzer angle and unless you're a Mets fan, I guess you're probably kind of going, this is cool.
1: Yeah, you know, the Scherzer thing is interesting because they're – when we were talking about way back when, seems like an eternity ago, when we were talking about uh, Scherzer and Verlander getting their season started with Mets, it looked like uh, there for a while Verlander had kind of figured things out a little bit better than Scherzer. Then Scherzer had kind of gotten it back. You uh, know, he was back to being like the Max Scherzer we knew. Then the trades took place, and then uh, Justin Verlander had his incredible first outing with with the Astros when he returned. Then obviously some injury issues here for Scherzer, so it's been a little bit more up and down season for Scherzer than it has for Verlander.
0: I agree with that for sure, but also I don't think that you know exactly what you're getting every every start from Verlander. They're not, uh, you know, no starting pitcher is automatic. I mean, uh, you know, starting to the greatest starting pitchers of all time, well, if it, you know, they get like 32 starts in a regular season. And they tell you, like, half of them, you, they know when they come out of the bullpen that they're going to be really good, and half of them are just going to try to get by. And then the other half kind of determines whether, you know, how you do during the season. The other half, but the other starts will determine what happens as far as your season goes. You might need a little look from your defense, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I think for those two guys, it's been – yeah, I, I'm less confident. I'm more confident right now of any starting pitcher that's still in baseball, still yeah, you know their play team's still in the playoffs, with Zach Wheeler starting any game for anybody than anybody anybody else in Major League Baseball right now.
1: How about Nathan Avaldi?
0: Well, still, you got the injury situation there. I mean, he's been really good for two weeks. But if you'd asked me this question before his first start against Tampa, uh, I would've scoffed at that. <laughs> so, I think the, once again, the Rangers—if you ask them before the playoffs started—you know, look at how bad he was since he came back and inconsistent after he came back from the injury situation. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even you know throwing more than three or four innings when he was good. Uh, towards the end of the regular season before these playoffs started. And he's been dominant against uh, Tampa Bay and also Baltimore in his two two postseason starts. I mean, he has obviously a tremendous postseason history, uh, whether he's in Boston or Texas. But, uh, you know, I still don't know what – you just kind of hope that if he throws a good inning – you kind of hope. Well, hope. You know, can he make it and be healthy through the next inning? And if he is, he's probably going to dominate. If not, you better have somebody hot in the bullpen
1: so the american league championship series is set the rangers and the astros get things started on sunday in houston the uh nlcs is still yet to be decided as the diamondbacks are in for the first time since 2007 who will be joining them will it be the phillies or the braves that series continues tonight 507 p.m on tbs your phone calls are next 602-260-1060 we dive into the world of the nfl too
0: Need social information about KDUS AM 1060? Try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060.
1: And 40 here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Diving into the world of the NFL here. Bob had a great conversation with Eric Edholm, NFL.com. Among plenty of things that Eric does for NFL.com, one of those is power rankings. So thought we could go through his power rankings since Bob just had a conversation with him. We'll do, uh, you know, 10 through one. And if we have some some other notables and our takeaways about these particular teams, when it comes to eric's power rankings number 10 on the list here is the baltimore ravens and for me you know first of all the immediate takeaway from the previous contest against the steelers is dropped passes dropped passes dropped passes turnovers at key moments and then the Steelers win the game Uh, For me, this Ravens team is just really confusing because they lose to opponents that they wouldn't be losing to. They put together dominating performances other times. Uh, They do so when they're missing half their their key contributors on the offensive line, defense, playmakers, et cetera. Uh, So it's just kind of a confusing team for me watching the Baltimore Ravens. And then I still don't know if we have enough information about who is this offensive unit.
0: I agree with that. And the you know, Todd Munkin thing, I don't think I really have much answer through five games about that. I'm not exactly sure what the hell they're trying to do sometimes too. And you know, I'm the guy that you know, maybe the only guy in the world that has wondered why is this supposedly going to be a guaranteed really good idea because you know he was good at Georgia. Yeah, you know, he has two offensive coordinator stints. Uh, I don't know if he was officially the offensive coordinator in Cleveland. But in Tampa Bay, same thing, Dirk there. But he was calling plays at some point. And it's not like the, those two offenses were great because of his play calling. A lot easier to call plays for Georgia uh, when you're ahead all the time and have that defense to rely on to put you in good scoring positions all the time than it is in the NFL. So I don't think that I'd don't think i be convinced at all that he's you know, a suitable offensive coordinator or play caller in the NFL. So there's that. And also, they did have a ton of drop passes last week, no question. And a lot of those were really good throws by Lamar. But he just still makes so many bad plays and has in his career, quite frankly, with the game on the line or in the postseason that have lost them games. And the combination of all those things, they did not score in their last nine possessions in that game at Pittsburgh on Sunday. Nine straight, no points.
1: Which also is really peculiar considering I know that the Ravens you know down some running backs but the way that the Steelers run defense is exposed that you could chew up some yards uh chew up some clock and put some points on the board there
0: yeah I I have no idea I mean I was actually watching that game you know that game was you know I watched pretty much the whole game so I'm I didn't realize it was nine. I knew they hadn't scored since, like, you know, the second quarter or whatever, or third quarter, early third quarter, whenever they scored last. I didn't realize it was nine possessions until I, I read a thing about that yesterday. So uh, that was just, uh, you know, I just, it's just too much inconsistency. They're better than I thought because I didn't think they were going to be that good. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they should be 5-0, and zero and they should have three wins right now on the road Against all three of their division rivals, but they blew the game uh, you know they blew games, blew the game against the Steelers, but they, you know, they blew the game against the Colts earlier this season, and uh, so I just uh, I'm, I'm confused, and their, their defense has actually, I think, been a little bit better than I thought it was going to be, at least consistently, and they missed a, you know, they didn't have all their guys until last week defensively because of injury.
1: Absolutely. Uh, number nine on Eric Edholm's NFL.com power rankings list here is the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are actually coming off of a bye week. But last time we saw them, they had an 11 sacks against the Giants in that uh, makeshift offensive line. Uh, we also saw Gino kind of have a knee situation. He did come back. He did finish the game. So just to making sure he's OK after the bye week. Uh, so just who is this Seattle Seahawks team?
0: I don't know, Uh, but I do think that they have some serious room for growth uh, because they've been inconsistent. They've had the offensive tackle situation where both their offensive tackles have missed several games. Uh, So I think the offense has a chance to get better if those guys come back and are healthy. I believe one of them came back and played last week, but I'm almost certain that neither of them played in every game since week one or two. Uh, So there's that. Their defense uh, before that game against the Giants, the front seven had not had hardly any pass rush. And you know, you know Kayla and I and uh, whatever you know, other nine people we could drum up in the hallways of the world or wherever, we could get a pass rush against the Giants. Uh, so I need to see a little bit more. I'm very curious. I think the most interesting game to me this upcoming Sunday. I didn't say necessarily the best, but the most interesting game that I'm going to be trying to pay the most attention to this Sunday is Seattle-Cincinnati, Are uh, the Bengals, or they fixed because they were good against the Cardinals' defense. And Seattle, and you mentioned they had a week off, so I'm guessing that some of those guys are going to be healthier now. How do they do? And uh, it's not like the Bengals' defense is you know, you know, you know, something that is, you know, you know like the, the steel curtain from back in the Pittsburgh days. Uh, so, uh, that this game intrigues me this week.
1: I think that with the running backs that the Hawks have, if their offensive line is good, they have the opportunity to run the ball on the Bengals' defensive front.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's Pete Carroll's you know, main thing, no matter who the quarterback is and no matter who the running backs are. And yeah, as good as Kenneth Walker was at times last year, yeah, he went out and got you know Charbonnet in the in the draft in the second round because he loves to have a lot of running backs. He doesn't have the one guy like the Marshawn Lynch days and and so forth. And uh, you know you know I know that Russell Wilson got a ton of credit, but they won championships because they ran the ball and played defense.
1: Number eight on this list here is the Dallas Cowboys. So you have uh, talk about inconsistencies here on probably multitude of extremes. You have. Absolutely crushing the Giants, the Jets, and the Patriots. Then you lose to the Cardinals uh, in Arizona. Then you get blown off the field by the 49ers last Sunday. Uh, so you have question marks here about is this defensive uh, is this defense elite? My next question, though, is did we not assess enough or talk enough about Trayvon Diggs and his absence showing up against elite wide receivers because there are elite wide receivers all over the field for the 49ers? Uh, then also you have uh, I forgot about this. Monday night when these two teams play, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator now for the Chargers, uh, he, you know, hosting his former team.
0: It's the first thing I have in my notes for this game is <laughs> uh, Kellen Moore versus the organization that fired him. <laughs> it's first thing I have down here. Um, so that's obviously a big deal. Uh, this is the most interesting game of the entire week. That's why I specifically said Sunday when we were talking about <laughs> Seattle and, and the Cincinnati. I defer the Cowboys thing. Because uh, other than one thing, it looks like Leighton Vander is going to miss a lot of time again. The dude had, unfortunately, now has a history of neck injury. He's back on IR, and it seems like he's going to be out longer than four weeks. And that's a huge part of their defense. Uh, so now they're missing arguably two of their best three defensive players. You know, one for the season, and now at Esch for however long. So that's not good. But I asked Eric specifically about Dallas, and he had a a very good explanation. I asked him specifically about DAC. So this is a good way for me just to tease you along to go podcast if you missed the the last hour.
1: KDOS1060.com, as well as you can podcast with the app. Number seven on the power rankings list here is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, The question for me is, is this offense finally hitting its stride? And this is weird, but can the game translate back here to the United States Uh, since they had two weeks (laughs) there of of great play in London? Uh, But I, I think we still know that Trevor Lawrence has to do a better job of taking care of the football, whether it's interceptions or fumbles of late
0: true um, he made some really good throws last week not just that last throw in the last drive which clinched the game that was uh, I think I mentioned it earlier this week if not I'm going to mention it now or if I mentioned it' mentioned earlier I'm going to say it again if I mentioned it earlier that might be the best throw I've seen for one quarterback in any game this year to any in any play uh, the, you know, one that clinched the game and, and you know, that gave against Buffalo however he's still been terrible in the red Zone. He has completed 40% of his passes in the red zone, and many of those have just been uncatchable. I mean, it's been really, really bad, and this was a problem at the end of last year. When they were winning games, it was still a problem. I think uh, I and Robert Mays from The the Athletic are the only people that pointed that out, and I I wouldn't have been on to it as quickly as I was if it wasn't for him. Uh, Pointing out during the podcast that I listen to uh, with him you know, several times a week, uh, required listing if you're an NFL fan. Uh, but the 40 percent completion rate this season in the red zone.
1: Number six is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, was that just way too stacked up against this Bills team when you factor in that they had yeah. the big blowout win over the Dolphins? It's a division opponent. You kind of had the talks here about, oh, the Dolphins are now the supremacy in the AFC East. So uh, the, the Bills wanted to make a statement game. Then the long flight to to London, and they didn't actually leave until Friday. Uh, so they seemed like asleep during the first half of that game on Sunday. Now also the mounting defensive injury Injuries that we touched on yesterday, Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, and Tredavious
0: White. Yeah, I think it was stacked against them. By the way, this week, uh, Baltimore went to London like Monday, yeah. and then uh, the Titans are going like Friday. So whether that plays into your handicapping or not, that's up to you. Uh, but uh, you mentioned the injuries. They're so desperate on defense. They saw Josh Norman, who I didn't even realize still wanted to play football. And quite frankly hasn't been good at football when he's played this decade he hasn't been good since like 2018 he's now maybe gonna be like their nickelback or god forbid more than that at this point they also lost dawson knox and Dalton kincaid both of their tight ends the injury in that game against uh against uh, the jags last weekend and i'm not sure they're playing this week
1: yeah the last time i saw josh norman i thought he was on like fox the one of the pregame shows
0: so. he's doing some coffee or some restaurant thing or something the last I heard about him but he's he's gonna play for the bills and have a big role like this week good luck
1: more NFL discussion on the other side of the break it is the extra point right here on kD am 1060. <laughs>
0: Tune in weekdays to The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUSAM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app.
1: point on this Thursday, October 12th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortalero with you Afternoon. up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, going through the top ten of Eric Edholm of NFL.com's power rankings. Eric also joins Bob in the sports zone in the nine o'clock hour. If you missed the interview, podcasted over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Briefly recapping, number 10 on the list is the Ravens, number nine is the Seahawks, number eight is the Cowboys. 7 Jags, 6 Bills, and we've arrived now at number 5. According to Eric here, he has the Detroit Lions. You know, last week I had said to you when we were previewing these games that – There's a lot of talk about the Lions and how improved they are and what the expectations are. And if you want to be a team that absolutely checks all of those uh, boxes off and actually be that team that's being discussed, you can't lose a game against the Panthers. And they absolutely came out and crushed the Panthers and did so without Amon Ross St. Brown and without Jameer Gibbs the unfortunate news here is the defense and it sucks for emmanuel mosley he his yeah. acl last year rehabs his butt off comes back and in the first game back tears his other acl
0: yeah and the fact that they're uh, just to go back to your initial point there about uh, you wanted to see them step up, up and take care of business they've now won three straight games by 14 or more points and they've come a, overcome a bunch of injuries. Guys, you mentioned, all the offensive line guys that were in and out the first like two, three weeks of the season. And they still don't have that group intact yet. I think that's going to happen this week when they play Tampa. And I'm on Detroit, by the way, already this week at Tampa. So just give a heads up on that for tomorrow. Uh, but maybe you want to jump on that like as soon as you can because that point spread seems to be going up. But anyway, uh, but they've overcome a ton of injuries to start the season four and one to key players too, not just you know in, in units in your offensive line is one of the two or three best offensive lines in football and they maybe one game this year had that group intact and they're still doing this
1: yeah it, the offensive numbers uh, and i just i love watching aiden hutchinson play you know wherever he yeah. lines up he's uh he's making plays he he's just all over the field
0: no doubt. I mean, he's overcome his poor college decision, even though he had no choice because his dad went to Michigan also and was also a tremendous defensive lineman at Michigan way back in the day. Uh, but uh, you know, he, he didn't have to. You have know, I don't. You could actually probably live in Ann Arbor and work in Detroit and versa. I'm sure people do that. So I don't know if he moved or not, but he didn't have to uh, just because he went from college to pro. <laughs>
1: When it comes to one through four, we'll dive into that in hour number two. Some takeaways from the Arizona Cardinals Wednesday practice, uh, injury report, Jonathan Gannon, Josh Dobbs beating the media as well. Your phone calls, too.